This episode is brought to you by freedadcourse.com. You are always one conversation away from changing your life, and the power of hello is something that I subscribe to every single day, and I'm always saying hello to new people everywhere I go. Increasing your opportunity, increasing your connection, and getting access to the solutions to the problems that you are facing, whether you're on active duty or just beginning your veteran transition or even transitioning out for 20 years. On the other side of hello are the solutions that you're looking for. Again, head on over to freedadcourse.com. Get your five-episode audio course to create more connection, create more friendships, and get back to living the life that you're trying to design. The one piece of advice I have for dads is to really think about your spouse's career and life and money and their future. That that's really important that yes, they may be staying home or maybe part-time jobs or employment here or there, but having a real plan for protecting your spouse's future, I think is really important because you never know what could happen to you. And you want to make sure that they also have a retirement and some type of future, which together will be wonderful. It will just compound your wealth. But if something were ever to happen to you, you would be leaving your spouse behind protected. Dory one, this is Fireteam Delta. Dad's coming home. Welcome to the Military Veteran Dad Podcast, where it is our mission to bring every dad home. I am your host, Ben Colloy. I'm a United States Marine veteran, husband, and a father. We will bring authentic conversations to inspire action in your life so we can close the gap between the dad you are today and the dad you want to be tomorrow. This is the Military Veteran Dad Podcast. Welcome back to Military Veteran Dad, episode 95. Guys, we are just five episodes away from recording episode 100. To give you an update, still no idea what's going to happen on episode 100. Something will happen. Just not sure I'm going to trust the universe and know that whatever is supposed to happen will happen just as the way that it was always supposed to. So guys, I'll keep you posted. It may turn into one of those. There may be suspense, and you just have to wait to episode 100 to figure it out. A couple other things I wanted to remind you. If you haven't joined the Facebook group, go ahead, and there's a link down in the show notes. Click that, and you can join other men who have said that I no longer want to do life alone, and we are doing it. You can get different topics, questions answered. We're all military dads, different seasons of our life, so there's great wealth of knowledge. No matter what pain you feel right now, there is a dad in there that's most likely seen it, walked it, or knows someone that can help you through it. And that's what a tribe can do for you. So if you haven't joined that Facebook group and you're a military veteran dad, go ahead, click that link down there. I'd love to see you over there. And if you haven't left an iTunes review, I love reading those iTunes reviews. And those reviews on Apple help the podcast, its value, be notified. And different people looking for a great podcast, they go to the reviews to understand what are people saying about this podcast. And if you don't have an iPhone, the second best thing you can do is share it with a friend. I often say showing up and being the friend I wish I had in my life five years ago is the best thing that I can do to you guys out there. Be the dad out there that doesn't know this podcast exists, that this resource to help you become a better dad, a better husband, and a better person is available. And just referring it can be the thing that gives someone an entirely new direction to go with their life. And so moving on, we're going to get started with today's episode with Lacey Lankford, because this is part two of our two-episode mini-series on money. Last week, we talked with Dan Hines from Adulting with Money about getting ready to understand money. We talked about the overall ideas with money, budgeting. It was kind of a very good money 101 as an adult, as his YouTube channel implies. 
This week, we're talking with Lacey Langford. She is the military money expert, and she's been doing it for a long time. She's been in the military a long time. She was a army brat growing up. She was in the Air Force herself. Her husband was in the Air Force, transferred to the army. They, they were nomads. Wherever the army sent them, that's where they went. And she's had to reinvent herself as a spouse serving with the military and her husband to try to find a PCS-proof career. And she was so tired of moving from one place to the next and not being able to just quickly transition what she was doing into something else. So she took it and started Military Money Expert, a blog, a podcast, the whole nine yards. And it helps military folks understand how they can use their money better because as we talk about in this episode, military folks are not good with money. We are just, it's a system set up to where if you don't start asking questions about where my money's going, it often finds a place for it to go automatically. I know this episode is going to put a nice cherry on top on this two-part mini-series on money. I hope to maybe do some additional money episodes, probably not this year, I'll probably move into 2021, but these topics are things that are on our mind And to be more capable dads and husbands, we need to be able to have better resources and knowledge. So look forward to, in the future, I will be bringing different types of information related to money because as we've been talking, money is not something many people are consciously talking about. I can't tell you how many people I still talk to that don't know the name Dave Ramsey. And that name to me has been synopsis for six years of my life. And he's been out there doing it for 20 years. And there's still people that have never heard about Dave Ramsey. Maybe you were one of them, and now you're like, wow, who's this Dave Ramsey guy? Guy will change your life. Total money makeover. Well, let's get started with Lacey Langford. And if you want to hear my big takeaways of this episode, stay tuned, and I'll talk to you guys on the other side. Welcome to the podcast, Lacey. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You are the second guest that we're having the podcast because you are the military money expert. And money isn't something we talk about a lot on the podcast, but I'm super excited to dive into it. And on the military side, we're a hot mess when it comes to money. We are grown up with the wrong type of mindset. It's disposable income. We can blow all of our money on the weekends and still have three squares a day, a roof overhead and a job to go to. And not even have to have a car because we can still get around base pretty easy, even if we're dead broke. So go ahead and tell a little bit of background and how you became the military money expert. Yes. So I grew up in the military. I'm an army brat. And then I served in the Air Force where I met my husband and um, we got married. He was Air Force and Army. I know people always wonder why he went Air Force to Army, but he really did do that. Um, Also, my siblings are in the military, my grandparents. So I come from a huge military family. And then um, while I was on active duty and then after I was on active duty, I started my financial education. And it was just really something that I kind of was drawn to is learning to take my money to the next level. I was always taught growing up to, you know, spend less than I make and save, but investing and building wealth really wasn't maybe building wealth, but investing wasn't as big of a subject. And so that's something that I was really interested in. And so it kind of put me down the path of um, learning about personal finance and wealth and investing. And then I kind of had to create my own business because I was a military spouse. And so I was moving all of the time and it was really hard. My career always came second compared to my husband's military career, which is something that I was completely fine with. It was just annoying. And then one day I got really frustrated and I was like, you know what, I'm going to start my own business so I can have control 
over my ability to earn and it was PCS proof. I could take it wherever the military sent us and be doing those things that I love and, you know, found rewarding because most of the time I was just volunteering, which was wonderful. I loved, you know, volunteering at the uh, financial readiness offices, helping out. But at some point, you know, I want to build money for our family. So then that's kind of how I started the journey. It's just evolved from there. At some point, you have to be able to put food on the table and your heart can start getting fed by those little volunteering opportunities. But when you start getting and moving like that, even for mine, like helping dads is something I still regularly do for free but there still is a growing need that I still need to put food in the table. So you're always kind of building up to those bigger ideas. There was a question when you're unpacking your story and relating to money that I've heard this question used to understand even between you and your spouse to break it down. What was the money language that you grew up with and how was money portrayed as something that was taught as far as an education in your childhood? The conversation with money growing up was so open that that was we just discussed it. Like, is this in the budget? Is this something we want to spend our money on? We have to be responsible. But in addition to the conversation being very open, it was also responsibility that I was responsible for my financial stuff. So, you know, basic things were covered for my family. You know, if I wanted shampoo, conditioner, clothes, like that was covered, but anything above what my parents had committed to spend on it, if we wanted something else, we had to pay for it. And so that really taught us, like, do I really want this? Do I want to put my own money towards it? Or do I want to like, just take the basics and keep the cash, like the money that I've earned? So it was, um, I think, a really healthy conversation growing up. And what about when you got married? Did the money conversation naturally come about? Or is it something you had to grow through as, as a husband and wife? Um, no, it was completely natural. My husband, fortunately, was also kind of in the same boat that money was talked about all the time, that there wasn't a blank check for stuff, that, you know, there was some responsibility. Of course, we both made financial mistakes growing up, but um, we were taught to kind of learn from those mistakes. And so it was very easy coming together, talking about finances and what it was going to look like after we were married, who was going to be managing the money. Obviously, that was really kind of my thing. And so that was something that I wanted to to have ownership of. Um, but then also that communication has grown into our marriage. So it's something we always talk about, even though my husband doesn't necessarily, you know, it's not his ideal conversation to have is about money. <laughs> He'd rather talk about guns or motorcycles or something. So, um, but we, you know, make sure that we have those conversations. I give him the update and I have um, a way of getting his attention to make sure he knows it's really important. And I say, this is, in case I keel over tomorrow, you need to know this. So he understands that, you know, I'm, you know, if something happens to me, he needs to move into the role very quickly. And so there's definitely free flowing of information. So it sounds like you and your husband, and even when you grew up, there was a lot of trust that money was something that you could earn. It was something you had to respect, but it was also something that you could create more of. But that's not the common mindset. And I'm sure, as you know, as you work with military couples, like money is the primary reason people get divorced. It's just one of those conflicts and because it's it's mostly taboo in American society because American society says you can just borrow more on your credit card and the American dream is something you just add to debt. What is some of your advice that you give married couples when they need to begin that journey to, to find the same money language to actually have a conversation? Well, I think the first place is to realize that how it was you growing up versus how it was your spouse. And those conversations are really important because what maybe 
healthy and somewhat normal to you to your spouse is not. So for example, when I coach people, sometimes I have couples come in and one couple will be very upset or this one spouse will be very upset because the bills aren't being paid on time. But the spouse that's supposed to be paying them is like, it's not a big deal. It's only like a week late. It's only two weeks late or our, so what our lights got cut off, but that was normal to them growing up. It was normal for their bills to not be paid. It was normal for water to go out or for electricity to go out. And for somebody else, even hearing that story, they're like, oh my gosh, like that's, that's not good if your water's cut off or your electricity is cut off. But this person, that was their normal growing up. So when you join into you know, a marriage and you know, your spouse is like, hey, I get serious anxiety if the bill's not paid five days early. You know, this is my comfort zone. And so having those discussions to say, hey, you know, it's not well, the way I see it isn't necessarily the way it has to be. There has to be some compromise. And, you know, if you want it five days early, maybe just like one day early, your spouse is used to like not paying it till the day it's due or something like that. Um, and then some people it's like $3,000 in savings means you're rich. There's a lot of couples that come in and, and one spouse is like, I actually want $20,000 in savings. And the other spouse is like, we have three grand, let's spend it. Like, I want a new couch. I want to go to Disney. Um, you know, I want some new clothes. And so it's having these conversations to realize that you're not both kind of in the same mindset. And then um, I think a lot of times it's not everyone. So I know that some people are going to listen to this and think, you know, but it's not everyone. But most of the time, you know, men want to provide and protect. And women want to be protected and provided for and not in a gold digging way, but it's just like, Hey, I want to make sure my baby has food on the table. And then the husband is like, Hey, I want to make sure that I'm providing food. And when those two things get messed up that, okay, Hey, you're spending a ton of money and I'm not able to provide because it's going out the checking account. As soon as I put it in there, that's going to cause an argument. You know, so it can, it can go both ways, but it's really starting to understand yourself and what makes you feel safe and secure about money, whether, you know, man or woman and how you kind of communicate that with your spouse. It sounds like what you're rooting there is curiosity that don't approach it with judgment, but approach it with how did you get to this view of the world? Because even you can use that example for anything, especially in a polar time that we live in today, instead of trying to argue or change someone's mind, like something that I've been really using through COVID and all the things we've been going through in the last few months is when something comes up, instead of trying to make my point heard, I'm really trying to get to the root. Like, how did they get to the point where this is how they see the world? Instead of arguing like, you must be crazy because you believe that. It's not that that's just going to make them get defensive. And the same thing applies to money and that curiosity can really build empathy to even understand how you can move forward. Because once you understand where someone comes from, it always becomes clearer of how they got where they are supposed where they are today. And then you guys can change it together instead of trying to argue who's right. Yes, absolutely. And also too, what you value. So my husband values motorcycles. He values guns. That's not something necessarily that I want to spend our money on. I would much rather go on a trip or I would much rather, you know, get myself some new clothes or whatever it is. But there's this compromise to understand like, hey, that is something you value and you enjoy spending your money on. Um, and th this applies to when I coach people is that there's no judgment, you know, how my husband spends his money or how I spend my money or how you spend your money. That's, you've worked your butt off for that. 
That is your right to do what you want with your money. It's just, you have to, you know, be smart about it and making sure that you are spending less than you make and you're saving for your future. And I always give the example when I have initial coaching clients and I say, you know, I'm not here to judge you. I'm just here to help you get better with your money where you want to be. And I say, if you spend a thousand dollars a month on Pez dispensers, that's your business. Like, I'm not going to judge you on that. But if you're telling me you're going into debt every month to buy a thousand dollars worth of Pez dispensers, then I'm going to point you in the right direction and say, Hey, there's a better way to do this. You know, like maybe we just get $50 worth of Pez dispensers this month, pay down our debt, those type of things. So it's really about, I am huge about never judging somebody with their money. You have no idea what is going on in their life or why they choose that. There may be something that, hey, okay, we have a car payment, but there's a reason why that car payment makes maritable, maritable, marital bliss for us. And so this is something that makes it so we're not fighting and I'm willing to pay that money to have a car payment. You know, so you just you just don't really know why somebody completely does something, but it's just making sure that you are again spending less than you make and saving for the future. I really like that advice because it, like what we just talked about, it gets people to think about things from a different side and understand there's nothing wrong with the way people are doing it and that everybody can move forward together. So as I think about being married, I wasn't married in the Marine Corps. I didn't have a family either. One of the things being having military podcasts I often hear about is PCSing, moving, people buying houses when they get deployed or when they get stationed somewhere and then having struggle selling that house. And next thing you know, they got like three houses that they own across the country. Let's point we angle in on PCSing because I feel like PCSing is one of those like financial sucks that can either break you or it can help just be another place that you're moving your family. So what are some of the things that people should be aware of with money when they're PCSing? One, go to the briefing. This ticks me off every time is people come to me and they're like, oh, well, you know, we lost money or I had to pay for this. I'm like, no, you shouldn't have had to. If you'd gone to the briefing, you know, for your PCS and really understood all the ins and outs, how it all worked, if you're going to, you know, do, um, you know, a personally procured move, the new phrase for Diddy moves. Um, so you understand that you, how much you can make if you're already taking a pack and play and all your luggage might as well get paid for that. So really understanding what you get get paid for um, and what's going to be covered on your move is huge. And yes, you do get per diem when you move, but that's not for you to have a steak dinner every night. Like don't go over budget. So that's, again, goes back to go to the briefing to fully understand what's covered. And then um, I'm also really big about preparing for the move and at the core when they're packing you out and when they're moving you, you need to be fully present. And one thing that I always give this example is that every time we moved, they would lose like a rake or a shovel and it would be very frustrating. So they would, you know, put the sticker on the individual yard tools. And then when you PCS, most of the time it's during the summer. So you're not looking for a rake. You're not looking for a rake for a few months after that, when you have to actually rake the leaves in the fall. And then you're like, where's our rake? I know, I'm not crazy. I know we had a rake. And so then you've already filed your claim. You've already done all of the paperwork. And it's like, now I got to go buy a new rake. Well, that's 25 bucks. So, and then if your shovel's missing or any other little things. And so one thing is I was very adamant about how things were packed out. So all yard tools go in one big box. I don't care how you have to tape the boxes together or do it, but they're all going to go in one box and I'm going to make sure they're all in that box because I'm not going to be looking. And so every time we moved, we were spending an extra hundred, two hundred dollars 
replacing things that maybe, you know, that we didn't notice were broken until much later or the, but the main thing is missing until later. So that's huge. And if something's broken, file your claim. Like one time we had them move us. We were uh, PCSing to Lewis McCord and they dropped my husband's digital gun safe on a concrete step. And even though my husband told them you're doing it wrong, you're going to drop it. They ended up dropping it. They didn't have enough men on it. And they're like, okay, well, we're going to give you like $200 for that. And I was like, no, I was like, you're not going to be here six months from now when that digital lock doesn't work. I was like, this will all be said and done. And so really negotiating all of those things is really important because that's money that's owed to you. They're not going to, again, be there when the rake is missing or when when the safe breaks. So that's really important. And then also um, having a budget, making sure everybody's on the same page to say, hey, this is what we're spending on the move. This is what we're allotted. This is if we stay below this, this is how we can make a little extra money or this is how we're going to break even but you want to make sure that you have a budget and you're communicating those things, I think is huge. Because again, if you have different philosophies on money, you're thinking, okay, hey, we're PCSing, let's splurge a little, let's travel a little. Then you end up going into debt over that move. So I think it's really being mindful of what you're spending and and having a plan and, and knowing what you're owed and what is rightfully yours to negotiate to get paid back if something goes wrong. And I could easily see what would be happening. And like, I thought it was your job to keep track of the rakes or it was your job to pack, to make sure they pack the rake. Like it does not communicating, like allows them to each assign a responsibility and expectation that they didn't verbalize. And it sounds like those are almost like landmines that you don't trip on until months after the movers are gone. And you're and then it just becomes a heated argument. And also kind of hit me that probably something also worthwhile if you're doing multiple PCS through like a 20 year service doing a good after action review, which is something anybody in the military knows about um, just reviewing how well did our plan execute? Did our budget say on what could we do differently? What could we have, how could we have given different instructions or assigned different things? Or did the kids emotionally move well as well? Like that's things to reflect on going backwards, even like a budget, same thing. Every month you should be able to go back with like, okay, what didn't work in that budget? Why didn't it work? And then how can we improve it this month, it's almost kind of exciting when you get in the budgeting process because each month gives you the opportunity to just kind of reinvent like the systems that didn't work. And it's not like you're in it for a year. It's you're just in it for a month and then you can try something new the next month if it didn't work. Oh yeah. And, and two to leverage your network. I always called every mill spouse, all my friends. And I was like, Hey ladies, they're professionals. They know exactly what to look for. They all, you know, live it. They know what it's like to get somewhere and open your dishes and find a toilet brush on top. Like that's super frustrating. <laughs> true story. True story. Um, and I know everybody listening. There's probably somebody right now is like, oh my gosh, we always lose our. She rig. gets we- me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. And I got in a debate one time, backing up for a second, where you're saying like having that communication. Like I was always in charge of the move. Like that was, there was always something that came up with my husband, like out processing something last minute, and so that was kind of my, you know, controlled object or. Um, job. But I was talking with um, packers and they were giving me a hard time about the yard tools. And like, that's not how we do it. I was like, nope. I was like, get two boxes, put the tools in then put the other box on top of it and tape it around. I was like, that's how it's going to have to be done. I was like, they're not going to go individual. And he's like, look, he might as well throw in honey on there. He's like, look, honey. He's like, I move people for a living. 
And I was like, well, guess what, buddy? I was like, I get moved for a living. I was like, so I was like, you're not going to be on the other end with me to help me unpack and find that rake for me. You're also not going to be the one when like kids on your hips having to run to the store to get that item to replace it while I'm trying to feed people and trying to make sure beds are put together and all of those other things. And so I was like, this is, you know, I was like, I don't know how you're going to put it in your budget, that one extra box, but you got to make it happen. Yeah, you got to make it happen. And like, you're just speaking to being the leader in that point. Like you're using your wisdom, your experience, like that. And most people aren't, don't have like the, the oomph to really step into that role as a leader as well. So I commend you for that because most people probably would just like roll over and do whatever the, the mover said. Oh no, I was real big. Like I always took pictures too. If they did something crazy, I documented everything. You know, one time they threw razor blades. They dumped all of our tools out into a box and then threw razor blades in it. And I'm like, yeah, you're not going to help unpack that. Like that's going to require leather gloves (laughs) to unpack that box. So yeah, you just, but you have to do what works best for you and your family. And those are all expenses that add up. And that comes to why a PCS might end up costing you a little bit of money because you weren't all over it. So you have to, you know, have enough time in your schedule to be present and make the plan and then implement the plan. Mm -hmm. So one thing that I've really enjoyed about going on my own money journey, my own money journey is creating the future vision. Like most people live in the now with being stuck with the finances or the debt of all the decisions of the past. But as you get control of your money, you really open the possibilities. Like you're no longer prisoner to the past decisions, but you're moving forward. What was your shared vision of what you wanted to create for the future as you opened up your money story and helped other people get out, open your own business, be an entrepreneur? What is your future like money version look like that you want to build your life up to? I think for me, and this is something that I was raised on and just always seen the long-term you know, goal there, but I want to be able to have the freedom to do what I want to, where I want to with the people that I love. That is ultimately what I want. And, you know, for me, I love what I do. So I'm very blessed. I will be doing this for a very long time in some shape or form. So I will always be working, but I like the freedom to have money enough to walk away if something's not good for me and my family or to get us in the best possible position. It may cost a little bit more money because that's what's best for me and my family. Um, I wanna make sure that safety and security for my children and my husband are paramount. So if that costs extra money, I wanna be able to do those things. So I think spending less money than I make, saving and investing for the future gives me and my husband the power to do those things, to have the life that we want. And instead of having to do work or be in a situation because financially this is the best decision for us right now. Not the best decision on a whole, but this is just the one in our limited scope because of a financial situation. So what I liked about that answer is you created the shared vision and then you started taking action steps to get there. But the one thing I think that even if you get a good control of your money, you have a budget within the military, kind of being taken care of kind of makes you a little bit lazy with your money as well. What are some of the coaching steps you provide like for in military service so that you're preparing for a better money mindset on the other side? Because it's almost like a completely different type of world compared to how your life is in the military when it comes to money. Well, first, I like to point out to all service members that you could get kicked out at any time. I think that people are lulled into thinking that 
hey, this is just, I'm going to decide when I get out or I'll retire. 2014 was a good example of that when people were selected in a force reduction. It was their year group or whatever it was. And they were told, hey, basically you have less than six months to get out of the military. And a lot of people didn't have enough time in service to retire. And the money they gave them wasn't enough to really it got them through the transition out of the military. It wasn't anything for the future. So that's something to really think about, especially medical stuff. You could be injured and put out of the military, or you could get yourself in trouble and be put out of the military. So never get complacent that that paycheck is just going to be, you're going to get it every month. Um, the other thing is that you won't always be in the military. You, know, you have to have a plan from day one, getting out of the military. It's a huge transition. It's a culture shock for not only the service member, but it's a huge shock for the family members as well. And so all of this you should be planning for getting out of the military and finances in the future. You also want to plan your finances because it gives you room to pivot for all the reasons I just told you to be able to live at a house that's closer maybe to post. So you can come home after PT to have breakfast with your family because you're getting ready to deploy. So those breakfasts are so important, but if you didn't have extra money in your budget to pay for that, maybe higher rent, that's not going to be a possibility for you. So, or it could mean that your spouse has to work a lot more and you don't get to see, you know, you guys live further from post or something like that and you're getting ready to deploy. So having um, your money saved up and, you know, no debt, those type of things. And then also mistakes. Like sometimes people are going to make mistakes with money. You want to have extra stuff on hand, some wiggle room to cover when those things happen. A big problem with the military community is the loss of income when you have to PCS. So if your car payment is dependent on your spouse's employment and you get orders, that could have a devastating financial impact on your family, but also the emotional impact. That could mean you now are going to live separately so your wife can maintain her employment or you're not going to be able to make that car payment. And so it's really important to have a plan for all that additional income. You can't depend on a military spouse's income to cover the core of your bills. So, you know, making sure that there's a roof over your head, those type of things, because again, you could lose that with the PCS. So there's a lot of transition that happens within the military community. And if you aren't financially prepared for those things, it makes it much more difficult and also makes your marriage way, way more stressful. I wholeheartedly agree with that because when these topics come up, they're like, they're just like I was talking about, they're those landmines that they're set months prior. And it's that car payment that sounds like a good idea. Even for my, my money story, which I, I shared on your podcast a few months back, like I didn't, I found Dave Ramsey two weeks after I traded in a paid for car for a $250 car payment. God, did I feel stupid. And so many times after that, I was like, God, I wish I didn't have this car payment. But in that moment, everything seems possible. And always, I've always liked the mindset with money and especially debt that, and it speaks to what you're talking about is that when you have debt in whatever category, whatever reason you've justified it, it's essentially one less card in the deck, one less option that you have to execute on. And when you have debt, the bank owns more of your choices. And the less debt you have, the more of a full deck you have to be able to pivot, to do something, to do something you couldn't have done. A perfect example, and I, and I talked about it in your podcast as well, is my story, my money story, would be a whole lot harder had I not killed all my debt two years ago and losing my job, I would have been under a completely different world. 
but not having any debt, all we had was our mortgage, which made the entire process that much more easier to breathe. And you do, I never would have imagined that I was preparing to lose my job and be able to survive as a stay-at-home dad. But that's exactly what I was doing. And I had no idea what was coming. And that's a hard part of the way the American society and marketing and Capital One commercials sell money to you is it's all about this future. You can just keep borrowing, borrowing, borrowing. All that does is just take away your options. And what you just talked about on, on base, no matter what the military gives you, no matter what life gives you, when you have an emergency fund, when you have less debt, just being able to respond with more options just gives you more free, makes you feel more like a free individual versus one that's like a lot of dads will talk about feeling there's back against the wall. Like they don't have any options. Often it's because the bank owns the options is because you've just not planned for it, but it's all can be planned for. And what you talk about is you mentioned a budget a couple of times in this episode, a budget is that core tool to create every plan. It's like the foundational brick in every financial plan that you do. And it can all begin with just starting to say like, I'm going to start putting hundred dollars towards our debt. I don't know where it's going to lead when we get rid of this debt, but it, no, I know that I want more options and we're going to start and we use the budget as a tool to make sure we have the hundred bucks to put towards our debt. Yes. I always tell people that right now you're earning money for two people. You're earning money for yourself and you're earning money for your 80 year old self. And if you aren't spending less money than you make in saving, you're not putting a roof over your head or food on the table when you're 80. And so it's really important to realize that, that you have to cover your non-working years when you retire. And that kind of puts things in perspective and helps you make priorities on how you choose to spend your money. And if you're in debt, you know, think about your car payment, think about your credit card payments, those type of things, you know, the good two weeks probably out of your month, you're getting up and putting on your uniform, going and running, doing whatever it is, you know, basically being on call 24 seven, you're doing that for um, MasterCard and Visa. You're doing that for GMC, whoever your, you know, truck payment is to. You're not getting up and doing all that hard work for your family and for you. You're doing that to pay back other people. And so once you get out of debt and you don't, you're getting up every morning and you are working your butt off to build wealth for you and your family. So when you start looking at it in a different perspective and really focused on what's best for you and your family, I think that helps you make wise decisions with your money. And that right there is golden advice. So much of what people and their money mindset, they just adopt the language that they learned. They never challenged that way. And like, I've heard it said that people trade a whole lot of life for a $500 car payment these days. And they just accept that that's the way that you're supposed to. Like people, I need a reliable car and reliable is $500 a month. Reliable is not $500 a month. That's just what you've adopted. And most likely you're buying that car to feed some ego, especially like if you're a guy that needs a big fancy Silverado, $1,500, $40,000 truck, you're most likely just feeding some personal issues that you probably need to talk to someone about. And you're doing it at $500 a month and you're trading so much of your time and money and freedom. And you're not even consciously aware that, that transaction happens. Like so you said, running, going for a run, that's not a run that you're actually building a better life. You're still working off paying GMC and paying them all that extra interest and all that stuff that goes with it. Like you're not a sovereign individual and the bank owns your cards. Yes. I think it's really also important to not give a crap what other people think about your money. So that's something like my husband and I thankfully have always, you know, been super clear on that, 
hey, we're not going to have a car payment right now. Maybe everybody else is going to Disney after deployment. That's not us. So really being comfortable with what your goals are for your money, I think is important and not worrying about what other people do. Because as a financial professional, I can tell you behind closed doors, the way their money looks is not the way they're portraying out to other people. So there are some people that can afford and worked really hard to have a $40,000 truck. And maybe they're cool with eating ramen every night or they live in a trailer, but that is something they value. The $40,000 truck that they can pay for that or is paid for. Um, and they're willing to give it up in other areas. So it's really, you know, again, what is most important to you and how you're planning your future. Um, I think can help you stay rooted. And I think that's what's most important is for you to stay rooted in what is best for you and your family and not like what's best for other people and what they think. And there's like the Joneses is really what we're talking about here, trying to keep up with the Joneses because the Joneses may look good on the outside, but two or three years down the road, they might be getting a divorce because they haven't been talking about money. They've been using money maybe to overcome the issues. Maybe they've been medicating with spending their money or looking good on the outside or creating that Instagram perfect world. That, that keeping up with the Joneses is, is something that is really hard and it's almost like the American drug of like, oh, I got to keep up. I got to go to Target every week and spend all my money. I got to keep doing these things. And consumerism requires us to stay in a cycle. But if we stay in a cycle, that's where we're going to spend all of our money. So just being able to recognize that I can live my life independently of what others do and not caring what they're thinking about, not caring what they think if my car isn't as nice. Like I, I have a silver, silver cruise and maybe like six years ago, I backed out of the garage and took off the side of the mirror. The mirror still works, but the cover around is broken. And I've driven around for six years and my wife always hates it. But I'm like, I don't really care what people think about my mirror. It's paid for a car now. It works. It's got a lot of features because I did buy a car with a lot of features when I did make that mistake. And it's paid for and it's got 100,000 miles on it. It's still very reliable. It's so like, I'm perfectly content driving that car. And when I'm not content, then I'll trade up and do something different with it. But just being okay with where you are, like that's so hard for us to do in so many different ways of life that just slow down, especially COVID. COVID taught us that you need to slow down, be grateful for what you have and just count your blessings because there's, there's a lot more people out there that are below you that have had it worse and you're doing okay because you've got maybe three squares a day and different things like that. So all of that is just such great advice on being able to move our life forward and to... I always love how Dave Ramsey talks about when a family gets out of debt that you literally will change your family tree forever. So if your money language was debt, being late for bills three, three months late maybe or something crazy, like being able to change how, you're, how you teach money to your kids, that is literally changing your entire family tree for generations. Like you're going to be the last person that was bad with money. And like that in itself is an empowering feeling that you can take everything you're learning in the military and create a stronger family legacy. And money is something that I always like Zig Ziglar. He says like money's not everything, but it's right up next to oxygen. So as we wrap up this interview, this is, I've loved this interview because we went into places that we haven't talked about. We went into the military spouse and money angle, which is something we've not talked about at all in the podcast. Where can people find more about you and your podcast and your blog? Thank you. Um, LaceyLangford.com is the perfect place to find me. That has my blog. It also has my podcast, The Military Money Show, and all my social media. On Twitter, I'm Finance Lacey, and on Facebook, The Military Money Expert. So check it out. And I did forget my question that I always wrap up the interview with. So you're not a dad, but you're a mom. What is a piece of advice you want to make sure every dad out there understands? It doesn't have to be money related, just a great piece of dad advice that you want them to understand. Maybe something, a lesson that you had to wait for your husband to wake up to? The one piece of advice I have for dads is 
especially for military dads, is to really think about your spouse's career and life and money and their future. That that's really important that, yes, they may be staying home or maybe part-time jobs or employment here or there, but having a real plan for protecting your spouse's future, I think is really important because you never know what could happen to you and you want to make sure that they also have a retirement and some type of future, which together will be wonderful. It will just compound your wealth. But if something were ever to happen to you, you would be leaving you know, your spouse behind protected. I like that advice. And I'm always the, of the, I haven't really done a big podcast on it, but I've left breadcrumbs here and there throughout the episodes. I've always liked the idea that if you were doing 20 years in the military as a dad, turn your dad mode on and let the mom go out there and be the provider. Like let the flip the hats and help her create a future. I mean, there's a great opportunities for her to get an education while she's staying home with the kids while you're serving. And like, once you've done your 20, like flip that and like, come home, be dad, like stay at home. Dad isn't something that a lot of people talk about, but the military provides a great gift for the ability to happen. Cause if you've done your 20, you get your pension. You're essentially getting paid a little bit to be a dad. Like how cool is that? And your wife gets to go out and flourish and kind of, step out and really figure out who she is. And often that's something that I know military spouses go through is like defining themselves something greater than being mom. And as their kids grow up and go to school and leave, like you don't want your wife to have an identity crisis. So like what you're talking about, making sure that you're planning on both sides of that to make sure she also has a plan when it comes to money and how she's going to thrive on the other side of the military service. Yeah, I think it's really important. I mean, it just depends on the couple. You know, I do feel like sometimes, especially with PTSD, people need a year off. I call it the gap year that they need after the military to completely unwind and decompress. And, and that's building up your savings for that too. If that's what you want to do, that's really important. But um, it could be that you want to seek out education or do something different, you know, after your husband leaves the military. But I think it's definitely part of like a, a long-term conversation. And everything is planable with your budget. Like if that's what she wants to do, like a budget is like an amazing tool that can unlock the world. If you tune it into the right frequency set the right goals and objectives, like it can prepare you for any future. Like if you listen to Dave Ramsey a lot on the radio, he talks about a lot of millionaires and with his process are plumbers. They did the average thing throughout the most of their life and they ended up being millionaires. So like the idea that you have to be in Hollywood to be a millionaire or be a CEO of a big company or just strike rich on YouTube. Like that's not the common money mindset. And there is an entire world out there. And I appreciate everything you do for the military community because money is something that we are just not naturally good with. And the military doesn't help much with that either. And I'm appreciating our friendship, which continues to grow as we've both now been on each other's podcast. And I look forward to future conversations when we can actually see each other again in person. And I thank you for coming on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode with Lacey Lankford. We talked about so many different things in this episode and not being a military family myself when I served during the Marine Corps time, that one of the conversations that I really loved in this podcast was about PCS moving. It's something that we honestly don't talk enough about and we probably should because it is a huge component of military family life. And on this podcast, we primarily focus on the dad part, but how much of a PCS move is also just being a dad and holding it together and being frustrated during a PCS move and not being able to reveal it or show it and or just really, just be honest, not having the right intuition of what's the right answer, the wrong answer, because what I can imagine moving myself just from one house to the next outside of being as a civilian, 
so much is just like there's 15 million decisions to make and like you just get decision exhaustion and let alone being a dad and having to keep everything going on that side of the house then trying to move your entire family in this case you're trying to land a house you're trying to close a house in some cases a different state you're hoping everything's going to work out you're probably nervous so i really liked that part of this episode because we got it from the spouse side of what it's like for her and just some great hacks in there to really make sure that we don't lose our ass on the actual PCS move that it's a neutral or maybe in some cases we can actually manage it to be a positive where we have some a little bit money to save on the other side of it and we can do something new with it when we get to that where we're going so that was a big big idea that we talked about. I really appreciated that advice that she gave us. I also liked where we went with about talking with debt. That is something that's very taboo in American society. No one really, it's like salary at work. Nobody talks about it, but everybody has one. And, but debt is one of those things when you start diving into it, there's so much psychological things behind debt that just either one, keep us digging the hole that we're in, or two, once you realize you're in a hole, the only way out is to start working your way up to the top, not digging out the bottom. And there's a joke that I, it's really not a joke, but Dave Ramsey is always saying, and I love it. One thing I like about Dave Ramsey is he talks about this idea that if it was about the math, you wouldn't have gotten into debt. And getting out of debt is more emotional. And I always have bought into the snowball effect that Dave Ramsey prescribes, where you do the emotional wins to the big win of being debt-free. Don't worry about the math. It's not a math problem. It's an emotion problem, and you can get through it. So guys, I really hope you enjoyed this two-part episode with everything that we've got going on. Next week, we've got a big, big episode for you. It's a really cool episode with a guy that was introduced with me and George Bryant. George Bryant is going to just explode your world when it comes to being a military dad. His story is something else, and what he does now is even cooler. He runs HighSpeedDaddy.com. You can go check it out and get ready for the show because... It's a great product. Ever since I became friends with George, I've been carrying one, and I absolutely love it. So, guys, with that said, I will check out, and I will talk to you guys again on Friday. Have a great week.